0: Hello and welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the UK ice hockey podcast. We're in partnership with the Hockey Art Co, hockey clothing for hockey people, worn by the best and hated by the rest. Listeners to Zero Pucks Given get a 10% discount off everything site-wide at hockeyartclothing.co.uk. So make sure you head over there and check out everything they've got from the City Series to the Stadium Series and some of the real classic and retro stuff that they've got going on right now, as well as those incredible custom jerseys. Make sure you do check that out. Use the code ZP10 upon checkout and you will get your 10% discount. We are also in partnership and on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Incredibly thrilled to be on this network. So many awesome podcasts across the world from different sports, from different sports people and media outlets as well. So it's a really, really great honor for us to be on there and, uh, and getting this podcast out to as many people as possible. Right then, after our roundup episode, this is our episode where we're going to have a catch up with someone. And this week we have gone Big time for you, Solent Devils fans. We've got your player, coach, your head coach, the man who I call Mr. Solent. There's everything about this guy just screams Solent Devils. Uh, and we had a fantastic chat. I do hope you enjoy it. This is Alex Murray. The man died, died. The
1: devil
0: Zero Punks Given in partnership with the Hockey Art Co and on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Absolutely thrilled to welcome Mr. Solent himself, Alex Murray. How are you doing tonight, mate?
1: Yeah, good, mate. How are you? All good?
0: I'm really good, really good. It's uh, getting a little bit warmer now. The little chill has gone out of the air where, where I am in Essex. Probably a little different view on the
1: south coast. Yeah, we still get, obviously, the wind from the city, but it's actually better. I mean, I'm we're probably a bit more used to the, the cold weather, I suppose. not. not Scottish, though, mind you, so no, no. Yeah, it's all good. It, it,
0: you just had a little weekend off because it was a uh, to semi-finals weekend, which uh, you just missed out on literally by a point.
1: Yeah, it was a. Uh, it's one of those, um, you know, tale of two, you know, sides really. You know, the positives are that we get to rest up for a weekend, and we've we've had a pretty demanding schedule start of Jan. you know, as you know that that three game weekend, yeah. straight off the Christmas break, and uh, yeah, the positives are we get a weekend to recover. We've got a lot of injury in the squad at the moment. The negative, obviously, is that our goal was to make the semis as a minimum and I think I think when we looked at things just before Christmas I, I was I was pretty confident we'd get two points out of Romford and Streatham Um but that wasn't to be the case. Romford came with a great game and we were unable to to get the two points there and then we gave we had a lifeline at Streatham with the team that they, they were only able to put out, but credit to them. They they played two you know, both teams respectively played two great games and out the cup we went. So it was a bit of a bittersweet thing but the positives are the guys are hungry now to get back on this weekend, and we have got a big weekend ahead with uh, Streatham and Chelmsford back to back. So,
0: yeah, that is a big weekend. That's especially obviously Streatham coming to you for the early face-off, and then traveling to Chelmsford on a Sunday. It's probably your longest away trip, isn't it? So, it's...
1: yeah, that in Milton, Key- Milton Keynes probably I think as well is a bit is a is a bit of a trek. But yeah, look, it's the, the double header weekends this this year have been few and far between for us. That's because we're not in the additional cup this year. Mm. Um, and, again, there's been some positive and negatives to that. You know, guys are finding out, even with is one-game weekends, they're just as bad as they felt after two. Um, <laughs> your body just kind of gets into the state of that you're playing, and off you go. But, um, yeah, it's it, it's one of those weekends where we want to be competing at the highest level, and what better two teams to play at straight at my home and charm away to really test where you are and to, you know, really put into practice what we have been trying to implement this year.
0: Yeah, that was something I was going to sort of mention with you, because... Obviously, you give your thoughts every time Sona plays, you give your thoughts to the podcast, which is, uh, you know, we're incredibly grateful for. But having this sort of one-game weekend right from the start of the season, did you guys really struggle to sort of get into a rhythm?
1: Um, Yeah, we're going for a bit of a rebuild as well. I think that's been obviously highlighted and we, I say it a lot. But um, we we really were in a position where, the the extra games in the Cup meant that we were playing too much. You know, the demand on the players. Bearing in mind we've got a Division 2 team where we're closely linked, where five or six guys both play on a two-way. We, it just didn't seem right for us to, to add an additional 10 games onto a very heavy schedule already um, for a team that are agey, Um And the younger players need the opportunity at the Division 2 end. So going into it was a bit... Um, of an unknown, uh, we haven't played this reduced schedule as often over the past you know, five, six years um, and I think the one big thing is if you lose a game on a Saturday and you've got a double header, you, you know within yourself, well you've got Sunday to put those little things right, we talk about yeah. it, we address it, you lose on a Saturday and don't play again until say next Saturday or Sunday, you've only got to practice on Thursday to talk about it and it, it just sits with you. It grates. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with losing two games back-to-back. but
0: yeah, It happens in this least, sport, it
1: At least At least you got a chance to rectify it the day after, and if you didn't, well, it wasn't your weekend, you weren't good enough. But, you know, we lose to Romford in in the shootout, and I've got to sit there and wait for eight days to put that right. And we didn't put it right, if that makes sense. Now, then i got to wait another 14 days. Mm. That is the one negative behind it. And as I mentioned to you guys, just find that they don't fall into the rhythm of, you know, chemistry and lines and the game itself. And actually, the the injuries don't seem to be any different. We (laughs) seem to still be picking up the same injuries as we were when we were playing doubleheaders. So it is food for thought. I mean, I'm still still, um, content with my decision and the reason behind it. It is working. The development for the players are that they're playing Division 2 the guys that need to play the extra games, and they're benefiting. Our Division 2 team has been, is more successful this year than it ever has been. Guys are able to play at Division 2 in a more um, important role, which helps their development, and then they're able to implement themselves in our games in NIHL 1. And the older guys that have got the families and <laughs> the old bodies as such get that fine balance, because there's no sport like ours, as you know. There's no not even professional footballers Play Saturday, Sunday, if you know no. what I mean. And so for people with families, you know, or even a social life, a partner, yeah, you know, or another hobby, it it completely takes your entire social aspect out of it during hockey season. So finding that balance is a really key thing. So there is, you know, yeah, the negative is we don't find a groove, but the positives are the players come back refreshed, come back positive in a good mindset, the wives and girlfriends are more pleased that. On the Sunday, they've take, been taken out rather than trip to Chelmo, so it's <laughs> finding that balance for us as a club. And yeah, we're 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 you know there's there's you know I'm still not quite settled where we are. Probably would have liked three or four more games, which could have happened if we split that cup. But it is what it is.
0: Yeah, no, obviously they've gone back to sort of the old way of doing it of having it with the with the league fixtures. The um as you say with some of the older players in the squad. I don't know if it's still the case with Yang Kostel coming in at Oxford now. You Do you have the oldest player in the NHL still?
1: Couldn't believe it. I mean, With when Drew I saw, I, I think Oxford or something posted, NIHL stats is, you know, off off Joe's stats, that we were the oldest team in the league. And I thought, quickly, I need to sign the kid. So I rung up <laughs> uh, one of the kids who's just come back from Sweden and said, that's it. You're not, not because of that reason, obviously. But I said, quickly, get you on the books. We need to lower our age. But it's really strange because actually, if you look at, uh, us my 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 journey as a club as you as you called it you know that Mr Son or whatever yeah. when I first started ten years ago or whatever it was, we were the youngest team in the in the league by far you know we had two we had a two way deal with Guildford uh, under eighteens two third you know two three four five guys in our team were on two ways from Guildford under eighteens or the Phoenix. um and all of our team were young players trying to make their way you know name dropping people like George norcliffe. Mm. at 20 years old wanting to make a name for himself and us giving them platforms and so we were able you know as a young team to help players become more exposed to that level of hockey rather than this and it's not so bad nowadays but you you know you'd sign a team of 20 guys of which five are 20 year olds and they all sit on the bench and Mm -hmm. that's it and then their development stagnates and they don't they end up either dropping out of hockey or dropping down the league so yeah, I don't know if Drew is older than, than the guy from Oxford. Um, well, they've got Darren Elliott as back as well, aren't they? They're both forty three, I think, and Darren. I think Drew's older than that. Oh, yes. <laughs> is, I mean, he it's it's really strange. We have we have players on the team that are younger than some of his children. Yes, it's, it's insane. <laughs> but you know, to his credit, you know, there is not, there's no one like him. If you ever had a chance to chat with him, there's nobody like him.
0: I have tried to reach out to Drew actually because when when I put a little thing <laughs> out for guests, a few solo fans said Drew Campbell's got stories for the, like for days.
1: Oh, he's just an unbelievable character. The guy plays with his skates. Imagine, imagine putting your skates on and doing no pulling on the, the laces and just putting a little little bow at the top. <laughs> so he plays with. I, mean, I don't know how he's I don't know how he skates, and <laughs> I mean. Sometimes he looks at me and go, and I say, "Drew, you know, I need you back out there, mate." And he looks at me and goes, "Oh," and off he goes. And I think I don't know where he gets the energy from. You know, bless him, but he's an incredible player who's been um, so influential in in helping the younger generations through his experience, his skill set. Skill set is unbelievable, and that goals that he scored in the, in, England, in England, there's nothing to, you know, there's nothing to to take for granted of what he's done. It's it's unbelievable and. And the guys love him. You know, the younger guys. You know, sometimes, we, sometimes we pop up in the group chat. He's out with the with the twenty year olds out and a night out, <laughs> you know, leading the way. He just loves it. He's a great guy. He's a great character in our room and someone that I've you know worked alongside and played alongside for near on a decade now. So yeah, you know, I
0: mean, your him. your room is is always a sort of a constant source of enjoyment for a lot of people, particularly with your your captain's videos after after a weird or four point weekend in your room. It's uh, yeah. that place is jumping. Do you, you get involved in a bit of that, or you're a bit? Yeah, like... I
1: mean, uh, if I'm being really honest, I'm always behind. Hit, uh, Coley sits opposite me in the room. Yeah. So, and we're at the far end of the room. So when he get when he gets up to record, he shows down the room. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just yeah. out of well, like, shock. But yeah. if I'm being really honest, I get in there late anyway. They're already all gearing up for this celebration, and it and it, and it came about years ago. I mean, I've I've heard him talk on a, on another podcast, I think, about it. Uh, banners on the wall and it came Mm -hmm. about years ago with two songs we used to have a winning song that we've changed and then we basically have a theory about um like a train rolling and so we just linked these two songs together and here here we are and it's just a great you know we're all you know we we all play the game because we love it yeah and winning a game is just as good as winning 50 games if that makes sense and when we first did it it was when we used when we were in our building process if that makes sense so we'd beaten Victor away, three-two. First time I've ever beat him in, in ten years. It was it was it was an amazing feeling. And that feeling just never has never left us. You know, every time we win a game, we still feel like it was the first win that we've won against said clubs. And we always are the underdog that goes up against many teams. Uh, our reputation has kind of grown, I hope. And so people now take us as a serious contender in most things. And I think I think that's shown in most people when they talk about us. But you go back five years, we were just, oh, silent, you know, whatever. And then, but we were turning teams over, and that excitement through that song, through our team's enjoyment of it, is really what brings us together as a team, bonds us, up. and is kind of our ethos and how we kind of, we kind of play. We're not a, a club that can offer people much at the players, mm. if that makes sense. We're not one of the the, the bigger financial teams in the league, um, we can't kind of beat some of the teams down the bottom financially. <laughs> So actually, it's it's coming on board because they feel that it's a great place to play. It's a great locker room. There's a great team camaraderie, and that's kind of how I try and do it. And and those little songs by Coley and all the team is just one way of us celebrating. We have many other ways, they just never make it onto onto media I don't, I don't yeah. think they would. I think we'd get shut down. So, <laughs> but it's, so, yeah. I mean, it's
0: an incredible thing that, that yourself and and all the sort of the top members of the club have done there because you. You are virtually running on a shoestring, in a shoebox. And and as you say, last year particularly, no one considered you an underdog. It was, no. you, you finished second in the league, second in the playoffs, cup semi-final, and you gave a lot of teams bloody noses.
1: Just finished second for the, my entire career, I think, is what I'm <laughs> going to be known as the the runner-up. But no, look. It, the, the bride. The, yeah, well, <laughs> that's... That, you're right. There, there is there is positives of that though. You know, we we don't look at it as well. We we didn't win the league. You know, we've we, when we compare ourselves as a club, you know, what we do with you know, we have wonderful volunteers. But as you mentioned, it the rink is the rink. It is what it is. There's nothing we can do about that. There's nothing I can I can't go to every school and try and knock on the door and generate another five you know five hundred people coming through the door. There's no one to put them
0: exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: and the the team is what it is. The, the team is full of players that want to be at so. That want to play either for Solent or because, or, you know, because they've heard good things. Um, I like to sometimes think, you know, without trying to sound, you know, that I've built up a good reputation of of how I like to coach, and people want to come and and hopefully learn some things, you know. And that's our way because we can't go. Um, oh, well, there goes my daughter's yes. my daughter's <laughs> Your ring guys, lights run out of charge. My ring light is in trouble, but um, <laughs> yeah, I I just I just take that as a positive that we. You know, we are a team that do compete with the, with the, with the other teams, and that's a real positive for us. And yeah, while second isn't ideal, you know, don't get me wrong, I've been second I think the last five seasons. Mm. It, there is some positives there, and, and, and it, we 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 do look at the positives because ultimately that keeps us going.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the games, from, especially from last season, that I think if anyone wants to know what Solent is all about. Watch that playoff semi final with Invicta. Just watch the last five minutes, and that was absolutely astonishing.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. It was. It was. Don't get me wrong. I, I was on the ice. I think when I think it was Husker scored the third, and mm. we were slightly pushing then. at Two one down. I think it was all. Yeah, two one down. And the goal was just out of nothing. I think he came down the right wing, wh- whipped in a like a little twist of wrist and in it went. And I just look, looked up to the Evans and thought, that's it. And then I, I, I'm i a very sort of like proud person. Like I'm a very like, no, nah, that's not it. That We'll find a way. And I have a very big belief in myself. I'm very, some people call me delusional, but I'm, it's just a belief that we'll figure it out in the end. Does that make sense? So we, yeah, we called a timeout and I said to the guys, this is what we're going to do. Like, we're just going to get Chico off for the face-off. We're going to run this set play. And here it is. This is what I want us to do. And it, it worked. And we're all looking at each other going, there's still, like, two minutes left. I'll just... And we had no time out at that point. So I said, let's just do exactly the same thing. And if I'm being really honest, I thought in Victor Wood, of seeing what we did in the first one and how we overloaded one side, and we were just roaring to that side and counteracted it. But somehow, hooker by crook, the hockey gods, as it were, whatever you want to call it, same play, worked exactly the same way. And, yeah, the rest is history. Obviously, they, unfortunately... You know, as you as you'd have heard, self-combusted a little bit, yeah. Um, and it it almost felt like that that five minutes took everything out of us. And so come Sunday, even though we were there and we were ready, we weren't. Does that make sense? You know, the goal yeah. in the first minute. I, when I reflect on that weekend, I just think all of our emotion, our energy was put into that last five minutes against Invicta and the overtime to get the, the eventual winner. And the emotion at the end of that game with our, I mean, we, the amount of support we had there was just unbelievable. I just kind of felt like for, mentally we we weren't, we needed to be like, yeah, that's okay, right, on to the next one. Does that make sense? Like that. That's, but that's what on. you
0: said to me afterwards, because we, we spoke after that game, it must have been about 10 o'clock at night, in, sitting in the rink at Milton Gaines. Yeah. And and you said, you know, that was brilliant, but we need to forget it and start thinking about tomorrow.
1: Yeah. And it was really strange because lots of us hadn't arranged to stay up. You know, lots of us were, you know, I've got young children, for example. So I was a bit like, well, if we go out, I'm not wasting a, a night up. I want to get home and see my children. Also, mm-hmm. I don't mind driving back and coming back up. But that that emotion of that evening meant that lots of us ended up just booking somewhere. Last minute, staying up, went out for some food and. We woke up, you know, I woke up to a message from Chico saying this is going to be it. This is my last hurrah. Oh, well, and that's how you found was, out, is it? Well, you know, a, a private message, you know, it was very long. You know, it was like six in the morning or whatever. And then obviously he told the boys in in our group chat, this is going to be my last game. And I think just emotions just went from us, if that makes sense. Like it was to lose one of, to, we weren't, look, we didn't lose him for the, the final, of course. No, but to have the biggest pillar in your club for the last ten years, cool time, which no one would blame him for. The, the guy was an absolute warrior. His body is is destroyed because <laughs> of his commitment to our club. It just meant that emotion from the Saturday, you know, of of going through that entire process, and then everyone having to process the fact that this might be. You know, we always thought, well, maybe not. We all, you know, we, we always choke in our room, we got a couple of guys that love to retire and then not retire and all the rest of it, so
0: oh, you see that happening all over the place, don't you? The, yeah. you know, retirements lasting three months and stuff. Yeah,
1: hockey's a hockey's
0: a it's an addiction. Well from that game, I mean you know, they talk about some sports I'm gonna stand up, I'll probably disappear off the camera. That's because right. Of, because of the green street. They talk about sports fan sports players liking memorabilia. This is yours. Is it? From that playoff semi-final. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> it broke in half in the in the, uh, in the the third. You went to take a shot and it just grazed the ice uh, and snapped it in it. half. And didn't go in that, the stand,
1: did it? didn't fly in the stand. No, it didn't it. fly
0: in the stand, unfortunately. I spoke to your equipment manager when I was waiting for you to
1: come out of the locker room. And, um, hey, I'm humbled by that. That's, uh, <laughs> that, you know, that. That for us, you know, that for me, I'm just uh, if I look at it, I'm just a guy who plays hockey because he enjoys it and when I see people, you know, like yourself, or when we were at you know that playoff weekend and we've got fifteen to seventy, you know, I don't want to say a hundred because I don't think there was a hundred there, but uh, on the it, second was,
0: day there probably was because more yeah. came up on the second day, and you had a fan who had a D-Walt drill powered forward. Yeah,
1: yeah, he loves it. But <laughs> that for me is so humbling as a person because we're not, you know, I, I go to work Monday to Friday, nine to five. Yeah,
0: I'm
1: not. I'm not a professional sportsman, but to see so many people support us and want you to take a picture of them or want it's you, you get a little bit starstruck by it even at my you know even at my age at 30 you know however old i am but yeah you're not gonna sign we'll crack our age <laughs> up again we'll be we'll be double the age um yeah it's just so it it's it's like i said you're a bit starstruck by it or if that makes sense you're a bit overwhelmed by it you're, you're humbled by it you know you to have that there mate is is a humbling thing for me because ultimately you know who am i Do you know what i mean but
0: yeah, I mean that—that that was just such an incredible game. And it, it was. was. My, my daughter was with me because my daughter comes with me. She does my videos now, so she'll be coming with me for the for this year's playoffs as well. And and she said, "Oh, I really want someone's stick." And I said, "Well, muscle's broke in the third. Go and see if you can have it." Yeah. Well,
1: look. Next time I see you, if you want me to give
0: it a little. Swivel, oh yeah, it, still you know, got, you know, got the white tape on it. it. Yeah, it was, uh, I was. I mm-hmm. was tempted to use it, like, put put zero puts given on it and stick the little microphone on the end like people are doing, but
1: Mate, like, I, couldn't, I
0: couldn't write that on your stick.
1: <laughs> well, you can if you want, you know, like, me, like, do, do you know what, I go through phases of sticks, I go through phases of breaking up like, three and three weeks, and then one lasts the rest of the year, it's crazy, the sticks, but yeah, the, 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 I don't even remember breaking mine, actually, I think, it was, like, was I on the point, actually, on the power play, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do remember now. Yes, because c- c- it it was
0: like a, it was the most minuscule of touches. It just grazed the ice.
1: Yes. Now, and then I had to, then I think I like push the puck with my foot or my hand or whatever, and then Victor was going a bit get it out of the way, and Right, right quick, get off, <laughs> and I flew off obviously at top speed. So, yeah, yeah. but no, no, look, that that weekend itself was a, a roller coaster, and ever since then we've been in sort of this little rebuild phase. But yeah, yeah. which
0: is is tough, isn't it, for a lot of teams when they have that period where they have to rebuild but you like you say the young players that you've got i think are are setting in really well especially the guys that are on the two ways as a a club as a whole um do you have any involvement with with the amazons that are doing quite well and the women
1: is there anyone there that could possibly step up for your two team or yourself so i will be honest and say no that i'm not really involved with the amazons that said i know the people that are involved with it and i get on very well with them On I would like and share their stuff. And I know a lot of their players, although not personally, just, you know, I, I could probably name you 10 players out of just the fact that I look at their stuff and see it on socials. Yeah. Um, and they're doing some great stuff. You know, they they are, again, this, it's the same people that started, the same people that started the Amazons, the Fitzpatricks, and James Morgan, their coach, a couple of other people were the same people that started the, the Devils 15 yeah. years ago. It's a mindset. Of people that just every club has them, right? The people that just work tirelessly as volunteers for the benefit of the the people that play within their club. And that, I know I know a couple of years ago they were they were going toe to toe at the top of the Division One, and a little bit of promotion was on the horizon. Girls at our club, including the juniors, are are really successful. Lots of our girls are in the England programs. Lots of our girls play for the Bees as well. That you know the, the mm-hmm. women, you know the, the under sixteens, if that makes sense. Um, and that's just a great stepping stone for them, you know, do I think any are ready for us, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'd know enough about them to give that decision. we did use to her, years ago we had Lucy Bill, as no, part of them. our Div 2 team, she's obviously just been selected for the GB women's team, Yeah. but before she moved out on a scholarship out to the States, she was part of our Div 2 team, and... I was Lucy's biggest fan. In fact, every training session, she would be the person that I highlighted in a drill who's listening, doing what they're supposed to do, while the boys are being boys, messing around with pucks, talking in the queues. I don't know what's going on. And then Lucy yeah. comes out. I think she was 18 years old, coming out. Every drill spot on. And my drills are quite fluid, high intensity. So there's, there's five things going on at once because I want guys and girls to be ready. You know, you, your mind is switched on, focused. In a game, there's 10 things that's happening at once, so, so is the drill going to reflect that. And she was just fantastic at always remembering things and always getting it right. And so I used her every week to stop the stop the team and go, right, so let's watch Lucy do this. What, what are you doing? You're sat over there messing around, shooting pucks around. I'm going I'm to make your bag stay in a minute if you don't switch on. Um, and since Lucy, I haven't really had anyone come through. There's a couple of girls, 16s and 18s, that i would be really interested in to see how they develop. The, the biggest issue with the crossover, speaking openly, is that physicality level, yeah. skill set-wise, we've got a couple of girls in the in the England program at 15s and 16s. That would be absolutely fine, absolutely fine, and they are actual warriors anyway. They train up, then play with the 18s They're absolutely warriors. It's just that, it's just that switchover is quite a big jump, right? So, I mean, we played against um, I can't remember the young lady's name in Romford. Is it? Is it? Ellie yeah? L- I mean, credit to her; she holds her own. Don't you? Yeah. You don't see many do it if that makes sense, and that's.
0: Yeah, no, there isn't many.
1: I'm not sure, what, you know. I'm not sure what what that you know where that is, but lots of the girls obviously are happy with that women's women's league that that is quite competitive. I you know. I know. Yeah. I know Bracknell used to certainly yeah So yeah, really, yeah, really
0: yeah. Good stuff.
1: Having daughters myself, although not in ice hockey, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big believer in that. You know, you know, women can and, and girls can, and we should give them every platform. Um, and that's something that I'd always look out for. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I don't know too much, enough about the Amazons. It's probably the only part of the sport that I'm not as involved with. I got to have, you know, see my children and do something else. Yeah, course, Yeah. I actually probably play roller hockey on the Wednesday actually when they train. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. But they're 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 doing great things, and their socials have come on. Their performances have come on. As I said in the recent years, they're doing quite well. I don't think they're as doing as well this year when I, when I last looked at the league table. But that said, they've got a great Group core group that have been there for years. They all came through the junior club anyway, and so they're, they're now attracting other people across. And who knows? We we'll never say never. Put it that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So how long has it been that you've been the player coach and had more responsibilities than just being that being a player?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think it's ten years, maybe eleven. I years. think I, it might be ten or eleven years. I don't right? know. I, I don't. I don't. This it seems it's all emerged. I, there's, you know, I, I obviously played five years on the Isle of Wight for the Raiders, and then, um. My last year then sort of, it kind of, I'd be honest, it probably ended a bit earlier than I would have liked, but we we kind of, me and Corny, who were you know, were, were good friends at, at the time and had good respect, um, we just didn't quite see eye to eye where we were in terms of um, how, how we looked, in terms of me as a player and, and him, what he wanted from me and what that meant. And so in the end, it kind of just fizzled out, if that makes sense, over one summer. And I just... I believe their the mum will, will not be impressed, but my daughter, my second daughter, Amelia, was on the way. Yeah. So it kind of just meant, you know what, you know, training twice a week on the island, playing an away, you know, a home game, which is an away game on the island, and then travelling away, you know, four or five times a week. And it wasn't exactly down the road, which gospel is. I kind of went, all right, I need to take a little bit of a step back. So I think in my first year, I was coached within six months, I think. Um the coach at the time, Will Francis. There was a there was a bit of a um, an internal thing. Will stepped stepped away, and I remember Paul Fitzpatrick, who was the manager at the time, um, and a couple of other people just said, "Did you want to do it?" And I think I was like 24 at the time, but I'd been coaching in the junior club and leading lots of things since I was about 12, 13, with my dad. Yeah, my dad was the former head coach at the at the the junior club, so I was always on the learn to play sessions, the tens, the twelves. At 17, I was assistant coach to England 13s or uh, South 13, sorry. Players like Floyd Taylor that, you know, went on to Jordan Gregory. I, co- I coached at conference at at um at 13, you know, South West England. Yeah. So I had loads of exposure and experience at a young age that it kind of just felt quite natural. And I think the the deciding factor was the players. You know, I, there was a lot of senior guys there that had been senior to me when I was coming back into that room. You know, Andrew Goddard, Chris Abbott, Kent Johnson, guys that probably don't, you know, ring names to you but are very well known at our club, if that makes sense, and were part of the mass success that got them promoted out of div 2. Yeah. And when they all seemed okay with it and were happy for it, you know, I'm I'm ten, you know, five, ten years younger than most of those guys, it yeah, it kinda of just took off from there and I had my own my own way. I brought in a guy called Steve Ganaway, I don't know if you'd know Steve, but a very, very renowned name back in the old EPL days for the for the White Link Raiders, was part of the Bratnell B's coaching team as well for, for many years. Um was a really close family friend and was was one of the main influences in how I coached. Because I played alongside him on the island. Um I'm sure he went on he was a bit older than me. So he was at the end of his career <laughs> as I was at the start. But he taught me so much about um what it what the expectations are in terms of being a, you know, professional hockey player. Not that I ever was, but his expectation never changed. You know, it doesn't matter if you're an amateur or a professional. You turn up for a game and you're prepared for said game. No matter what, you're not turning up eating the KFC or whatever or on your phone you know, or yeah. letting things come into the room. And so I basically you know, one day sat down with him. We wrote a player's pack about my philosophy with him you know, supporting it. We wrote some systems and, and still to this day, they, all the players joke about it. We still use the same player pack we hand it out every year. We talk through everything, what it takes to be a devil, what my philosophy is, what your commitment has got to be to play for our club um, and the systems. I'm very systematic. You ha- if they do this, we do that. And that was what we needed to do when we weren't as skilled playing in this league. Yeah. And we were a much younger team playing against the, the high-end teams. Back in the day, you know, Chancellor with Gary Clark, across, you know, Ross yeah. Uh, you know, all all of these unbelievable James Ailing, you know, all these players. The way we had, the way we compete against them is we had a system that they had to try and break down, and we relied heavily on Chico to then, if the system failed, well, Chico would bail us out. Yeah, that sort of thing. So yeah, ten years, eleven years, I think, to go back to your original question, but it's all just kind of amalgamated, actually. If I'm being really honest, it all just I can problems. imagine
0: it probably has. Yeah. I mean, what who's in that Whiteley side near over there? Because there is some proper names from British hockey that have been through that club.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, obviously, Corny was our coach, a great guy. Um,
0: just... Was Sam Chamer in there when you were down there?
1: Nah, he played the year after me, I think. I think you know Brad Watchorn is a name that you would know that played when I played there. I remember for four years he chased Corny round, you know, trying to get him to fight him. And then <laughs> Corny, fortunately, you know if I signed that guy, we had the two toughest guys in the league, and we just walked, we just, we just walked around owning the place. <laughs>
0: um,
1: you know, no one would touch us. We the we yeah, the guys. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we we were just. We had our way of playing, and, and it, it, it's almost like the stratum of now. That you, most teams go in slightly, slightly hesitant about them. Does that make sense? Yeah. In They've almost got bit,
0: that Mike Tyson. Fear factor. Short, yeah, that's fear right, factor. Fear factor.
1: And, there's, and the rest of the team play with that no fear when you know that you've got. If I've got caught. I mean, I play the line with Jeremy Cornish. I yeah. no, one, no matter what happened to me, I'm okay. I remember in Cardiff, I got completely cleaned out mid ice. I head down, skate through the middle of the rink. And I got completely cleaned out. Before it even got up, Corny was there. Gloves dropped. Yeah, no worries. I'll take care of it. And that gives you a sense of confidence, if that makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think, guys, that you would know. I mean, we had a guy called Robbie Brown, absolute beauty from Belfast, had come over. He was a kid in the Elite League and we'd brought him over. Nathan Taylor was playing for Newcastle Vipers back then. Again, you're talking 15, I'm trying my age now, but 15 years ago.
0: Yeah, I've I've been been in sort of four or five years, but I've done a bit of research as to the old, the old sort of ways of it, and and some of the old names. Um, I, just before the end of last year, I had Pete Wing on yeah. the podcast, yeah, and yeah, he told me the story stuff. about the old Vipers and stuff. Brilliant.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, people that you may know, like Richard face who eventually came over to, with me to Solent. Ben Locke came over with me. Mm. Steve Gossett came over with me. All these guys basically, you know, decided that actually, um, it was it was time, you know, to come over and 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 try something different, but you know, not. Who, who's still playing now not many not many not in during my time anyway you know I think Paints went over the year after me Steve Osmond went over the year after me um, I'm trying to think I, was, I don't know if you know Matty Colclough great goaltender back in the day one of her closest friends but is retired but played at Streatham after the island yeah it was I mean the likes of Tumon that went over a bit a bit later than me if that makes sense I'd already set up it, at, at Solon and yeah we're starting my journey there
0: yeah, and long may it continue, of course, as well.
1: Well, I don't know how much longer. My body's, you know, telling me you, know, you better start looking after yourself. And I'm thinking, uh, <laughs> you know, just wing for a few more years. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how it goes.
0: Would it would it be your plan then, when you, when, for instance, as you say, your body gives up, for you need to just step away from the ice and carry on as the coach? I
1: don't know. I mean, everyone that knows me personally would know that I don't really take care of myself at all. I don't, you know, if I get injured, <laughs> the physio gives me a list of things and I'll say, oh, my, I don't do medicine, I don't do anything, if that makes sense. Nah, do, doing do a physio is the worst. Yeah, but a little, I'm just really strange. Like, I don't do anything to help myself and then wonder why I'm struggling at times. You know, I don't take paracetamol and things out, like I'm just really against it. Um, I don't know why. I just, I just feel like I have this mindset that your body would figure it out. And that was great at 24. It used to work all the time. Yeah, my body would figure it out, and then yeah, it did. And now at 34, it doesn't work out as quickly. It it seems to take a little bit longer. And I've got you know if playing hockey for 30 years of my life. You, you you're, you're the injuries that you've had over the years. They they start to take a toll on you. Even things like going to sleep now. You know going to sleep with two knees that are completely done. You know they're, they're, they're expired. You know is a big task, and I have to kind of wrap you know, roll things up, put them between legs, make sure my legs are in certain places. Otherwise, if my knees are in the wrong place, I'll wake up, or I'm going to go to sleep. And then I'd right. wake up in pain for the rest of the next day. Even things like starting to get like achy arthritis in in the hands, because I hold a stick five times a week for the last 30 years. Um, and I do coach, you know, if you look at a Tuesday, Thursday, I'd coach for three hours before I start my own session. Yeah. So, just little things like that are, are the things that are frustrating me at the moment. But
0: Well I, then you said tonight you said you're going to do seven aside. Wednesday night you say you got roller hockey, but yeah, it's I time don't... to
1: start slowing down on other things. Yeah, it's strange. It's strange. <laughs> you'd think I'd be fit as a fiddle, you know. you'd think I would be fit as a fiddle. Like I play five, I play seven aside now tonight, most Mondays. I play yeah, in line on Wednesdays, which the guys will dig me out for because, you know, they all they all dig it out a little bit uh, in the team. But every time I dig it out I'll just sign another roller guy just to add on um, just to add, even the balance out. If well, when Pete
0: was on, because Pete's a roller guy. He is. And, and he said, you know, look at, you know, Conor McDavid, Conor Bedard. You know, these guys are all roller players.
1: Yeah.
0: So it was good enough yeah, for the yeah. NHL. Why aren't it good enough for over here? Don't get me wrong,
1: you know. It, it does, it, it has its positive negatives. You know, you, your skill set in terms of your, your hand-eye coordination probably increases, but you pick up a lot of bad habits. Yeah. It's a non-contact sport. So then you you then have this... Sense of security that yeah, or I could toe drag someone, or I could stick a hand around someone and roll her. they can't do anything about it. Yeah. So you get onto the ice, oh, so that absolutely level you, and you think, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Your skating stride goes up a little bit as well, obviously because it's a different, it's a different stride, it's a different technique. So yeah. Why so is that, on, that? Hockey players refer to skates as new wheels. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Because. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and also when, when we talk about trying to increase our speed as you know as a coach. I'd always say wheels, 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 rather than, you know, move, move your blades, move those yeah. skate blades over there. It <laughs> doesn't sound as good, does it? So We've had a few questions
0: come in on, on the socials for you. Uh, some quite interesting ones, actually. Sure. So, Sophia has asked a couple of questions. Uh, she, I'm assuming this is probably going to be because of your dad. What got you into
1: ice hockey? Yeah, it's my dad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, bless him. I mean... I, we were my dad's second family, so my dad was already a little bit in, a, a little bit older when he when we were on on when we'd put, turned up on the scene i think think I was involved with the but by that time my dad had had his career my dad had played in Belgium across europe was one of the was the first professional player in the country i believe played an exhibition game in madison square gardens in, in against the new york Rangers. his oh, c v cool. was unbelievable and and the last two generations don't really know him, but if you go back a generation before that, it, that's how that's how I was known. Everyone used to go. I remember when I went to the island my first year. Gareth Endicott from Swindon. Yeah. Um, his son Ollie plays in Leeds at the moment. That's the only reason he knew my name. It was like, oh, I know your dad, Pete. And that's how I was sort of known in the hockey world. I was always seen as,
0: well, your Pete's son.
1: Yeah, you're uh, from that generation. Oh, don't get me wrong. The generation above, slightly above me now. And my own generation, everyone below, you probably won't know him with that too well, if that makes sense. But to say, you know, not someone that blows you know, my own family's trumpet, to say he was a, an influential person in hockey in this country it would be an understatement. You know the things that he's done and did. He was part of England and GB for many years as a player, as a coach. Um, and yeah, when he when he when I was three years old, I think he was part of Gosport as the chairman, head coach, something like that. And so in we went. You know, my elder brother Lee played out of Swindon originally. Um, even though we were of Sampton based, so we're based in Sampton. Yeah. Um, my dad was coaching in Swindon. My older brother played there, so that's where some people. We're not. We're known. You know, if we go to Swindon and the older guys would know a bit about our family. That's because my dad was there. My dad spent some time in Bristol. So, yeah. come, come free. I think I was on the ice with Dad, with the brothers, and that was it really. I just. And never stopped. I, I did think I dropped out for a year to play like field hockey and football at like 12, 13 just because at school it's really hard. But like, at school, yeah. you've got to know what you. I mean, who did you talk to like, about this school? They will just go, what? "What? are you on about?" And I'm like, "Well, all my mates are off. They've all gone and they're all going to meet up because they've got a game of football today at three o'clock, and they're all meeting before." And I'm like, "Yeah, alright Cheers. I'm off. I'm off to Cardiff yeah. for my for my closest fixture." Do you know what I mean? Like or whatever, <laughs> and they're just going down across the road to play a game of football. So, other than a year, I think I dipped out around twelve, fourteen, where I concentrated on field hockey and football. I've played it ever since I was three, and Dad was a massive influence in that. And up until the day you know Dad passed, he would be at every home game. In, you know, on the Isle of Wight, everyone treated him so nicely. He'd always have his same seat, and the management there would look after him. And then on in Solent. You know, he still has his corner to this day where my family have their season tickets, where my dad yeah. sits, or did sit, did sit. Um, and my brother and his family now have it as their season ticket space. And yeah, it, it's a bit emotional to, to talk about it, especially in that first year past, after COVID. Um, it was really strange not having my dad there, because he's my biggest critic and probably the only person that I would ever, although I'd always tell him, yeah, all right, dad, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember get, juniors, aren't Juniors let's say we won a game eight seven, and I was involved in every goal. He wouldn't, he wouldn't compliment me at all. He'd critique the fact that I was on for four of the goals against or something. Do you know what I mean? And that's what my dad was like, and that's how I am as a coach as well. Like, I've taken that on board. I, I always say to the guys that if you're playing in my team, I like you as a player, and I think you deserve to be it. If you want an arm around you, I ain't going to do it, because we're all grown men here, mm. and I want, I want to make us as a club better and you as an individual better. So I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong. And I, it's, I use Jock. Jock's a great my assistant coach, my bench coach. Yeah. I say Jock, you have you've got to be the you've got to be the positive guy, and he's great at it. He finds so many nice things to say about guys. I just can't do it. <laughs> I just I look at guys. It's just like my dad was just to me the same. You know, very to the point, very very untactful. If you know what I mean, very black and white.
0: Did it ever feel like pressure when you were playing? Massive, massive pressure.
1: In certain parts, you know, as. As I mentioned, my generation and the generation just above me, they don't, it doesn't, it, it, it wasn't really that much impacted. But as a junior, you go, to, like I said, if I played a home game, away game in Swindon, mm. people would just come up to me and talk to me like they know me. They do, they clearly did know me, but I wouldn't have a clue who they were. And they knew me, my dad, my fan. How's your mum? And I'd be like, who are you? <laughs> Not being disrespectful at all, but obviously, they had played with my dad 25 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm 10 years old. If that makes sense. And they would tell stories about, you know, all of their, you know, these are England players, these are GB players, and I'm thinking, I'm just 10-year-old kid, do you know what I mean? So, even that pressure as you grow older, the family name, you know, holds a bit of weight in, in the sport. Again, a bit older now, not not so much in this generation. And with that comes a little bit of responsibility and, you know, accountability for it, if you know what I mean. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done as a family in the sport. I'm proud of what we've done this, in this club in particular. My dad did a lot more for the likes of Blackburn, Bristol before me. So, yeah, yeah, can't say I'm you know, I'm too disappointed. In it, it my yeah. end, you know, my, my younger brother's got a, a young boy in the, that, that, that seems to enjoy it, but my girls have no interest in it. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're putting all our eggs in Jack's our, our youngest of the, <laughs> of the children now. It's fact, another Murray
0: to feel the pressure.
1: Yeah, we just two, we just we were just we were three boys, and the first three children in our family were all girls. My brother's eldest is a girl, and both of mine children are girls. But that's great. Like, don't get wrong, I love the fact that I don't have to take my children to a hockey rink. Like, yeah. I do that for myself, and then I go horse riding, dancing, swimming, gymnastics, or the rest. And I get to be like a dad, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. rather
1: than a coach coaching your children on the ice, I don't think I'd be very good at them. No, no, it
0: could change the dynamic of you. Oh. Your relationship as well with your kids, because my, my my daughter sort of started with boxing when I was boxing, and yeah. she really enjoyed it. And, and I got her mum to sort of allow allow her that when she was going to turn over as amateur. I was going to be involved in sort of helping a coach. I couldn't be her actual coach because I wasn't amateur licensed. And then COVID hit, and then it all stopped. And afterwards, she didn't want to pick it back up again. But um, but I know she can handle herself now. So.
1: Yeah, well, don't, don't, don't <laughs> meet her in a street corner. Right, remember not to echo her when she's doing the recording. That's for sure.
0: No, no, and uh, and boys ain't a worry for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Well, that's I'm gonna we'll be all day talking about boys and worry, but we know what we were like when we were kids. I just, Absolutely. Think, I just think um, it's just that I still do it now. My my daughter's my eldest is a horse rider, and I'm trying to. Sometimes I'm trying to coach, her and I think no, this is not my area of expertise. I don't actually know what I'm talking about. Just go and stand at the side, and so I do where I can as best I can. But then there's always that burning desire inside. me. Yeah. Of yeah. Go, Come
0: and on. The, as a as a dad, you, you you're a, kind of a jack of all trades, aren't you? So you kind of have to know a little bit about everything. But that <laughs> what, that automatically means you know everything.
1: The thing is, is, when they get older, that that's great up until they're ten, twelve. My oldest is twelve. Hmm. Then they start knowing things more about, you know, certain subjects than you. You can't lie to them. You just can't wing it. No, yeah. no. Yeah, sure, it's that. Yeah, they? they go, no, nah, no, nah, here it is. She rips out her phone. I've just, you know, I've asked whatever these, these gadgets and stuff are nowadays, and they know more than me, so. Yeah, yeah
0: my, mine's nearly 14 now, so I'm, uh, yeah, I, I can't win at anything anymore. Nah, nah. No, no. Bit... It,
1: it's really strange, because I have, I have fully grown men listening to everything I ask them to do, and I have a twelve year will tell me no. Yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> so I was just, you know, just trying to avoid it.
0: Yeah. Let so Peter's asked the second question as well, which sure. is a great question. I've never heard any, anyone ask it. Have you ever had a fear of the sport?
1: So I think I went through a little phase where I... I don't know if you... You probably don't, but I don't know. Eight years ago, I, literally, I completely snapped my jaw um, and broke my nose in in a hit by a guy called Dominic Hopkins, who at the time was playing, I think, for Oxford. Don't quote me. Maybe, Yeah, I think it was Oxford. We were playing, it, it, and he was a teammate of mine on the island. And don't get me wrong, great, great player, um, great guy. But basically, just his shoulder, he's about six foot six. Mm. And I remember, the blame was the ref. I remember it like it was yesterday. I get to the blue line, I chip the puck, and I'm watching, the, doing the old bad thing of watching the puck being... Thinking, yeah, that's a good dump. I've got that. <laughs> next, thing, I'm, next thing, I'm flat on, on the ground. And I just feel this massive pain in my face. And basically, my jaw had completely snapped off clean and was just down hit. And so I had to be put under and had to operate. And I had to have um, plates. And I've got loads of steel in my face from it. And it was my first ever bone that I broke ever in my life. And I think when you talk about fear, I think it's not a fear, but I think I became more consciously aware rather than subconsciously aware of my face and where I was going. Yeah. The year after, Danny Rose, who now plays for the Bees, at the time I was playing for Streatham, randomly in his own DN had the puck and I was forward-checking him. And just, again, it was a mistake, but shot the puck, hit me straight in my nose, broke my nose again, and severed my entire lip.
0: Yeah. So I had
1: to have like surgery on my lip to, re, to re-put it together. Again, the only other thing that I broke two hockey injuries which were pucks or something to the face so I think when you talk about fear I think my only conscious fear at the moment would be and it's not so bad nowadays because it's been a few years it's just what's my face doing yeah. my, and I often find myself doing this do you think people have
0: to have rather than fear more of a healthy respect of how dangerous the sport is
1: yeah I mean look we we, we all know what happened with the net guard in, uh, you know the, the Johnson thing from the Panthers and whilst I was a little bit like, hmm, to start with, I was someone who wore a cage for my first year of seniors because I just felt comfortable doing it. And back then, however many years ago that was, um, you were peer pressured and taken that off. Fact. And it's not something that I do. I don't pressure anyone to take any of their cages off if they want to wear it. Um... And I don't think it would be a bad thing if we looked at bringing that back in for, am- for amateur sport. Mm. You know, I, I'm just thinking, I had to go to, I, I'm a, I, you know, I teach PE in school. I remember after I did my draw on my face, I had to go back in with stitches all hanging out, butterfly, you know, Vaseline literally covering my face in loads of places. And children weren't exactly the best pleased to see me looking at like that. And I'm thinking, well, why did I bother doing that? Like, what was the point? you know, it's, it's impacting what I'm doing in life. And my children were a bit like, whoa, what's this? Like, what do you look like? Yeah. So I'm pleased to see that the net guard rule is in. I, I don't have an issue with it. I thought I would. I don't mind the net guard that I've got. Later on, it took, I've about to buy three net guards to find the one that suited me, but that's for every bit of equipment, right? Yeah, um, it's quite
0: comfortable, isn't
1: it? Yeah, so I don't. I think my only fear is my face from previous injuries. Um, I don't have a fear of failing. I'm, like I said, I'm pretty confident. I don't have any fears of you know, not being successful or anything like that. Um, I just think, yeah, I just worry slightly. If if a puck goes out to a point or whatever or I'm certain distance away, subconsciously or consciously now, I would put my hand by my face. And that impacts the way I play because then ultimately I haven't got my two hands up. I'm not ready. I'm more worried about my face. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah.
1: That's the best I can answer that question, I suppose. Hopefully no players are seeing that and start taking advantage of it, but... No, no. I think everyone is naturally more more aware of it now. I think that incident with the... You know, with What happened in, in Sheffield recently just makes everyone more subconsciously aware of what you're doing and how you're doing. Yeah. No one ever thought that they would go... I don't ever think that I'm going to hockey and not coming back.
0: No, absolutely.
1: Might be that I might be hobbling back, you know, the bruised leg. Yeah. And so that just... Makes you feel a little bit different, you know, I think. But yeah, I'm also I'm also practical. I also think that was one in a in a how many hockey games play. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What, what, what's amazing since is obviously that some of the stuff that was said online that obviously by people that have no understanding of the game. That you, I think even people that do understand that, the game are seeing how often skates do go high in the air.
1: Yeah, I, saw, I saw it
0: three times at Chelmsford last night.
1: Yeah, I saw this um, Twitter feed from the NHL. Uh, it was just a random account who basically posted a, circa 100 pictures on his on his Twitter of near misses in the NHL, just pictures yeah. of a blade just going like this, yeah. or just miss it, do you know what I mean? It, things like that happen all the time, that there's risk in our sport, just like there's risk in playing rugby, if you know what I mean. The big challenge is is like you said, no one no one think thought that risk would lead to you not going home no, and I remember a few years ago a, a guy died from fighting, I think it was in Germany, fell on the back of his head. done, but that impact was was it was less impactful because it was in another country yes of course, and while she read the story it wasn't it wasn't on your news feeds, it wasn't in your algorithms. I mean the incident in Sheffield was everywhere for yeah. two weeks absolutely yeah. everywhere, and, and what you've you got is you've got big big sports networks like your sky sports news or your t n t back then b t or whatever it was trying to give opinion when they have no they've no, no, never shown interest in our sport before no. and they've got they don't have the most informed people giving you the most up to date not you know information. No, it,
0: was, it was virtue signaling really as all they were doing
1: Misguiding. And, yeah. and striking too much fear into the eyes of everyone, when realistically speaking, it has has a has a footballer died in the last ten years? I'm, I'm pretty sure so one would.
0: oh well, I could think of at least four that have had heart attacks on the pitch in the last ten years.
1: Yeah, you know, so it you could walk out in there and get hit by a bus. I'm very much like that. I'm very karma and fate and all the rest of it. I'm very much yeah, yeah. like. It. There's no point. Don't worry about doing. Don't worry about walking over three drains. If you're meant to get it by a bus, you're going to get it by a bus, and that's it, if you know what I mean. If it's your day, it's your day. If you spend your life worrying about your day, you don't live your life. So I don't have any fear in that aspect. No. If that makes sense. And, and, and
0: what we've just been discussing is pure proof that you only live once, so...
1: Yeah, you just got to get on with it. You've just got to get on with it. And hopefully there... it's a little bit further away than someone, else, you know, than, than someone else's. Yeah.
0: Uh, James Young has asked, if you could choose a different sport to be good enough, in, what would it be?
1: Ah, I've always loved cricket. Oh really? I, you know, cricket's got like a, it's like Marmite, isn't it? People who don't like watching Tests.
0: Yeah, I I love. I want, some, but trying to trying to tell someone why you love it when they don't understand it is very difficult.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't get wrong. As you, as I've said a few times, I'm I'm quite I, back, I, I delusionally back myself at anything. That the yeah. guys that know me, I'll always go, oh, I'll smash at anything, other than other than running." It is running. <laughs> no chance skating in, in, in a straight line no chance well skating at all um, anything to do with fitness not a chance anything to do with a gym not a chance but with cricket I'd be like yeah get me in the bat I'll, I'll, I'll top score all of you but no problem I'm, I'm very self-confident with things like that and so cricket is probably the one sport that I'd love loved to have had a go at I never did like you know Dynamis who do the the kit the shirts okay, Yeah. And stuff? Alex who is the guy who, who runs Dynamis was a, is a massive cricket player massive fan and when he first started on his journey, it was just us. so was his first club that did his that that, that took on they his had shirt. Jersey. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was he was out of Gosport originally, originally from Gosport. In terms of that was where the, the product and his and his and his stuff was. And uh, he was a major cricket fan, and he was sponsoring Herschel Gibbs at the time. So you know, yeah, crazy. Telling me his all show me, took me to his factory. here's Herschel Gibbs and stuff. And I said, you know, what? I wish I played cricket. And bless him, he's such a nice guy, Alex. The next time I went there, he had a bag packed for me, a cricket bag, with pads, bats, gloves, helmet. He said, there you are. If you want to give it a go, give it a go. Oh, wow. And to this day, it's still in my shed. Brand spanking <laughs> news. Looking <freaking laughs> great. I need to do and it.
0: White is not flattering, either, is it? <laughs> no.
1: I'm, I'm going to play T20 so we can wear it. <laughs> colourful. Colour. Stripe. Stripe colours or something, do you know what I mean? Or black or something, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, vertical stripes, vertical stripes. Archie Jones had asked a great question. This might be yeah. a bit difficult, being coach and player. Who's your sure. favourite teammate?
1: Uh, I've got I've got a few. Obviously, one of my closest friends was Richard Face, and we played we played together for more than ten years, and we played most of our juniors together. And he was saying he was my right hand man doesn't do him justice if that makes sense. But he was a leader on the ice, off the ice. I don't listen to a lot of people. I'm very stuck in my waist but he was someone that i'd always take advice from and listen to and we kind of went on once richard came over from the island that was when our real success started and i'm not putting it straight on richard but it was just like a two man band and i take a lot of credit for that if that makes sense a lot of people think it's just me but there was a lot of people that were linked to that richard is probably if i had to choose one person over my career it would be him right now um. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could choose someone right now. I've got a few people that I confide in. Put it that way, if that makes sense. There's a few guys, senior guys, that I trust and speak to. Um. And I trust them all, but when it comes to coaching, it, it doesn't make sense to go to every single player about a coaching decision. They'll all think, well, aren't you the coach?" Yeah. So. I go to a, a few to be
0: chefs, I suppose, as well. Yeah,
1: agreed. So I just have a, you know, I speak to Jock, who's my assistant coach, a lot, um, especially on game days. And there's a few a few players who I rely on to give me to give me the hard truths because sometimes as a as a player, you you're respectful of your coach. You're not going to tell them exactly what you think. And most that know me well know that I bite, you know, I bite back a little bit as well. I'm not the most passive <laughs> people. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have one right now. If I had to choose one over my career, it would be Richard. But I think most people would know that anyway.
0: Yeah, excellent. Alex Murray, thank you so much for your time. Really have enjoyed having you on the podcast. Um, obviously, we've had a, a couple of interviews up in Milton Keys last year. The playoffs, yeah. And hopefully we'll be doing that again this year, wherever they may be.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed that we uh, we make it this year. We've got a bit of an uphill task, but we're, we're getting there. You know, we're, we've had some good results. We've had some bad results. And it's just finding that rhythm, I think. I think it you know I think our goal looking at where we are now would probably be trying to push for three, third fourth you know if, if we if we have a good good run maybe second but looking at our fixtures that that would be a tough ask and I'm a realist I'm not someone that just goes oh yeah we're st- we're still in the hunt for the title <laughs> um so yeah fingers crossed we get a good a good draw um that said there's some teams in the bottom half of the league at the moment that are, that are playing really well Romford in particular is a team yeah. that I probably want to avoid if that makes sense because I've learned too well that they can definitely turn teams over on their day um, so yeah fingers crossed I'll see you at the the weekend um,
0: yeah I'll see you on Sunday night I'll come say hello
1: yeah please do please do it'll be great to see you. Awesome. thank you very much mate I'll see you soon my, my pleasure take care
0: a huge thank you to Alex for joining me there. We took up a little bit more of his evening than I was planning, but we, we certainly covered every base. He's such a great talker. Uh, like I said to him there, I'll probably bump into him this Sunday. and If not, I certainly hope to see him at the playoffs in April as uh, Solon are having, start, starting to have an upturn in their season, which is good to see. All right, well, thank you so much for listening and checking out this uh, second episode of the week. It's uh, it's going to be the last one of this week. Uh, next week, of course, we'll have the roundup and then I will be joined by Milton Keynes Thunder Romanian player, Mario Chiru. So we'll be looking forward to ch- catching up with Mario. Obviously, the Thunder's uh, Thunder's fortunes have taken a good turn in the last couple of weeks after they uh, got a smashing at Chelmsford. They've gone to Oxford and taken a 7 win. So, yeah, looking forward to, to catching up with Mario, seeing how it's all going down at the Thunder. Uh, don't forget, obviously, your 10% discount for Hockey Art Clothing is there. Use the code ZP10 once you've found what you want to buy on their website. Or if you fancy a little bit of Zero Pucks Given merch, you can hit the link in our link tree on our socials and find the merch store there. There's hoodies, T-shirts, hats. all in your team colours as well. So lots of good stuff to find out if you've got some spare pennies after the January payday. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.